Well, kids, put down your controllers and pick up your beers. It is time for XP Quest. And uh, we're starting the show off with the saying, you can't really say happiness without saying the word penis. So, this is episode 15, where we're going to be discussing 8-bit versus 16-bit RPGs. And I have invited back a, uh, a, a fantastic guy that you all know and love from episode 14, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one, one that was, before uh, this one. That yeah. was last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one before this one, sure. <laughs> so, uh, as you can hear, we got Sir Viper back in the house once again. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it, it appears now that DJ actually cannot get rid of me. Uh, I literally <laughs> stayed in the XP Quest studio for an entire week straight, feeding on nothing but uh, popcorn and Mountain Dew. So I'm ready for the show. <laughs> Just uh, don't eat the little worm at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so what kind of Mountain Dew are we talking about now? <laughs> Good news is both of us are far, far, far from... Uh, any sort of a hurricane, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have to worry about that issue. So we're good. <laughs> yeah, I got family in Florida, so I'm praying for them. But uh, that's you know, good. It is. Yeah, all, all the people I follow on Twitter are like uh, middle of the state, or like they're just north of Orlando, or they're on like the west, you know, Gulf Coast. So you know, they're I'm sure they may or may not listen to the show, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure they're good people. So yeah, for sure. They're bunkering in place. Taping up the windows, <sighs> all that fun stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw one of the, uh, data centers sent out, um, this mass email marketing email saying, you know, if you're in storm's path, call us. We'll give you a discount <laughs> to move your data. I'm like, oh, way to profit off the storm. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's an idea. Don't have a data center in Florida. Just a thought. <laughs> you know, it would be logical thinking to maybe put your data center in a place that's not known for having natural disaster. It's like just Los Angeles out there. Or, oh, yeah, that's a much better option. <laughs> He says sarcastically. <laughs> you're a little just get robbed. You're you're just a little too close to Canada. I mean, Canada one of these days they're just gonna get <laughs> they're gonna get pissed and invade. And the the Canadian Inquisition is gonna wreak havoc. Well, the they, thing is, is that we have both Wisconsin and Michigan as like the early warners, essentially. <laughs> Trying so, to like, get to come across their lake for you. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if they if they actually do start to invade, um, it, we'll we'll hear about it in the news that Michigan was taken over by Canada, and that's when I'll know to start heading to Texas. But if people start destroying Michigan, how would we know? <laughs> okay. Believe. <laughs> <laughs> you did there, sir? I, I see it. Uh, like nothing ever happened. I know. Look at the plight, kids. <laughs> Remember, we're talking about northern Michigan, not... Oh, well, yeah, there is it. Eastern, Scenic. you know, yeah. Because there, there's a bit of a difference culturally between the two sides <laughs> of Michigan. It's And it's funny, too, because it's the same state, but yet there, there's just enough distance between the two that they could have easily been, like, north Michigan and south Michigan. Yeah. De- I, Michigan's a big, Detroit just didn't want to be known state. as south Michigan, so... <laughs> oh, that's some good times right there. Okay. And this is all relevant to RPGs in some way, shape, or form. I'm oh, sure. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's that East Coast, West Coast uh, fight we're going to yeah. get into here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
So, uh, I guess right off the bat, l- 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 I wanted to throw this idea, and we're just like throwing this idea at the at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, mm-hmm. I just threw the eight bit versus sixteen bit RPGs. Now, background wise, I know that I have flown my Nintendo flag very high, and on a con- yeah. uh, conversely, you of course have flown your 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 Sega flag really 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 high. Yeah. So I guess when we start yeah. talking about this. You know, you're going to be a little bit biased toward the 16 bits, <laughs> which I can appreciate. Yeah, and not just because of Sega Genesis, but because of the Super Nintendo as well. I'm I'm not just like waving the Sega flag like I'm Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehog eating chili dogs. Sega, Sega. Yeah, I, I I love me some Sega games too, but Super Nintendo also was known for some very very good RPGs. So, oh yeah, yeah, and see that's that that was my bread and butter. That's what I that's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Is, oh god, those just classics, and they're absolutely. You could tell how great they were when you look at how much they cost on eBay today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like Chrono Trigger. Oh you know, yeah, that, that game is not cheap, especially the original, uh, you know, cartridge version. I mean, they have them for for mobile phones now, which is great if you want to like get into that stuff on the cheap. But... Yeah, that's the cheapest way to play them is to buy the yeah. new revamped versions. <laughs> Yeah, but like for that original nostalgic feel, you got to get the cartridge, man. <laughs> you got to go old school. <laughs> got to go old school with the old like you know SNES controller with the two shoulder button. Oh yeah. No, no analog <laughs> sticks. You got a D pad, brother. You play with that D pad. Waggle, waggle. No, there's no waggle. waggle. There's no waggling. <laughs> okay, so uh, 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 I'm just gonna do some quick Google searches here. Let's let's start off with sure. the with the the eight bit classics. Uh, RPG. Well, Final Fantasy comes to mind almost immediately. The original Final Fantasy, where you actually got to like build your party up. Yeah. Um. That you know that was just an, an epic game, and honestly, it kind of popularized RPGs to the Western audiences anyway. Certainly. Yeah. I. So. You know, long-time listeners of the show will will know that I fly my 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 Dragon Quest flag extremely high. Yeah, <laughs> that was my drug that got me into RPGs. Um, but I think the original Final Fantasy was, to me, it just when I looked side by side at the Dragon Dragon Warrior series and the Final Fantasy series, I just like. The polish, I think, on the Dragon Warrior stuff was better. Does that make sense? And I think that's what yeah. sort of turned me off from Final Fantasy until uh, Final Fantasy four or two came out on SNES, you know. And that's when I got back yeah. into it. And then I completely just went off the deep end when you know it came to seven. <laughs> I'm just like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> See, seven actually brought me back. To Final Fantasy RPGs, really? Uh, yeah, I, I really kind of started falling off of Final Fantasy like around three. When I'm, I'm talking about America's Final Fantasy three, not yeah, yeah. Japanese Final Fantasy three, which I think was Final Fantasy six here Hi. in the states. Hi. Yeah, it's just super strange how that <laughs> numerical system worked out. Um, but no, honestly, like my the big RPG, and I'm gonna be like repeating myself dramatically if you've ever listened to me talk about old school rpgs you know this you you've heard me talk about this game a thousand times before um the original fantasy star actually was considered an 8-bit title on the sega master system and that rpg really was the one that kind of got me huge into rpg games so wait wait so the sega sega had 8-bit games i thought they were all 16 
No, Sega Master System was an 8-bit system. Uh, see, I'm the, muddy, I'm there muddying was a direct up my competitor. Sega history. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I did side a lot more with Sega uh, during like pre-PlayStation days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I really liked a lot of their games because I think, you know, especially in the 90s, Sega had that attitude that resonated well with the industry. <laughs> um, you know, the whole like, we're, we're going to make a game where somebody called Toe Jam and another guy named Earl is going to run around when funky hip town music and oh yeah, kick some humans. butt. you know, and, and that was <laughs> just kind of like Sega's mentality. At the time. And Nintendo's like, let's make everything bubbly and fam- family yeah. friendly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, until the oh, N64 days. Oh, there's yeah. a cross in that game. Let's ban that. No, no, we can't change that. <laughs> change that. Okay, no, so, uh, so qu- qu- really quickly, take me through the history sure. of Sega, because I'm I'm ignorant on Sega. So you're saying Master System was first, and then the Genesis? Yeah, the Sega Master System was uh, their actual, their big kind of come into the, the council era, especially here in the Western audiences. Uh, sorry, there's massive amount of traffic going on welcome to chicago <laughs> um but yeah the second master system was probably the first attempt at a popularized council here in the western uh area especially here in the united states and that had a wide variety of games uh one of them being alex kid which was a huge series of, of platformer games that was really kind of their attempt at uh kind of catching some of the popularity that mario was gaining <laughs> but it's alex alex it's alex kid yeah um <laughs> And, and there was a lot of really good Alex Kidd titles too, but for the most part, they they do pale in comparison to the the smooth gameplay of like Super Mario Brothers three. Mm. Um, the thing is, is that the Sega Master System was actually a more powerful console compared to NES. It was actually able to have more than four colors on the screen at once, uh, or not not four colors on the screen, but four colors on a on a character sprite at once. Uh, okay. So that, that there was a lot more that the system can do, but the problem was is that Nintendo already gained so much popularity that Sega didn't actually get a chance to come back until the Genesis came out. And that's really why a lot of people, when they think Sega, they think the Genesis, or if you're in Europe or uh, Japan, the Mega Drive, which is what the Sega Genesis was called there. Gotcha. Uh, that, that system, when that came out, that became a direct competitor to Nintendo and actually did put Nintendo in a spot where they had to you know, start working hard. There was another system before Master System as well, but it was never released here in the United States. It was only released in Japan, and that was the Sega 1000, uh, which was very similar to Atari, essentially. Okay. Uh, but again, like there wasn't really any notable games for that system. That system really didn't uh, do well. Uh, and I think the architecture ended up getting leased out to a bunch of other companies, and a bunch of companies made their own versions of it, but it, it never caught on. Now, where where do you start building this mytho, this mythical like gigantic Sega sandwich that I keep hearing Randar talk about? Where you keep I, like you keep talking, you keep jacking them all together into like one gigantic so, super close supercomputer. <laughs> yeah, so Sega basically did everything that they could to try to extend the lifespan of the Genesis because the Genesis was in fact selling so well. Um, and while Nintendo was already starting to focus on the N64, uh, Sega was doing everything that they could to keep the Genesis life cycle going well beyond its actual uh, <laughs> use. So what they did is they, they built a, a, a couple of peripherals that you attached to the actual system. One of them, which was the Sega CD, 
which was basically a CD-based uh, addition to the console that allowed you to play games that were on a compact disc, which for the video game system or for the video game industry was actually revolutionary because uh, discs were much easier to reproduce. There was the big sh chip shortage. Uh, of the early 90s at the time, and, and that was making the cost of cartridge-based games far more than than people were willing to pay. Uh, I think back like the N64 days, some of those games even went up to 80 bucks. That's how bad it got. Um, but with CD-based games, they were able to sell those games a lot cheaper, uh, and, and the, they didn't have to worry about any additional hardware inside the cartridge itself, so therefore they can sell the games at a much easier budget. And the discs themselves had a much bigger storage space so they can store more of a game inside it. Uh, so, you know, Sega had a good idea on that, but they just couldn't port any of their major games to Sega CD. We only, the, the only notable game that Sega CD had was, was Sonic CD. And, and, and it, no, 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 that was 32X, sorry. Um, and then the 32X was their attempt to try and get into 32-bit gaming. Mm -hmm by applying this uh which massive... nintendo completely skipped yeah nintendo said you know the hell with that um <laughs> so basically with the 32x you would actually put it into the cartridge slot of your genesis and then in turn plug it into its own power brick its own av cables oh jesus uh, on top of the genesis cables uh <laughs> yeah and it, it just became a wiring uh nightmare that it was just incredible because the uh, the Sega CD also had its own power uh, outlet, its own <laughs> AV outlet. So it just you, you would need a, a surge protector solely for the use <laughs> of your uh, Sega Monster Sandwich, essentially, as Randark would put it. But 32X did extend the life cycle in the sense that it did provide uh, a more powerful system for the Genesis, and in turns they were able to port games like Doom onto the sega genesis and and actually have it render better than the super nintendo port of doom did wow uh, but again there wasn't a lot of notable names or, or notable titles on there except except for knuckles chaotix which was uh knuckles from the sonic series exclusive game i like the only bs i think nintendo pulled along this line was just the memory expansion card for the 64-bit like <laughs> well not for lack of trying i mean originally the sony playstation was supposed to be an add-on for the super nintendo oh yeah yeah that's right so originally they they hired sony they always had those docking ports nintendo. on the bottom of the nintendo yeah too. <laughs> yeah they always had the expansion ports but outside of the uh the n64 disk drive they never actually made any real use of those <laughs> jesus but now that we've gotten into the history of consoles, <laughs> uh, but yeah, to go back to our original topic, as far as 8-bit-wise RPGs, Fantasy Star on the Sega Master System was absolutely fantastic title. Okay. And that was more sci-fi based, though, correct? Yeah, sci-fi fantasy. Uh, you know, you had your fantasy creatures, but for the most part, like, you, you did have a lot more tech involved. You used guns, mm -hmm. you used electronic blades, stuff like that. I think on the Nintendo side, I can't recall any, like all of the, all of the RPGs I could even think of were were fantasy based. It wasn't until like the SNES era where they started breaking out of that and doing weird things like, uh, Secret of Evermore or um, oh, what's that stupid game, um, Mother, 
three or whatever. Oh, Mother, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that was the first one I could think of that just went Earthbound. Off. Earthbound, yeah. It was the first yeah. one I could think of that just sort of went off the rails where it just broke the mold. <laughs> I, well, actually, you know, now that we sort of mention it, um, Crystalis on the, in the NES, that sort yes. of it sort of had a pseudo, you know, futuristic blend, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't quite like full-on sci-fi, but there were sci-fi elements in there for sure. I think in, and even when I when I look back at the just the games on the Nintendo, and I'm sure this falls into the the, the Sega versions too. Like there's there's there was they were sort of muddying. Like it was still early in like video RP, you know, video game RPG world, mm-hmm. where outside of extreme PC RPGs, like the consoles were just like fighting back and forth to try to figure out where. You know, like it, you could label almost damn near everything an RPG at some point, right? Oh yeah, uh, everything had some form of RPG elements. There was either like action RPGs. There wasn't too many of those, but you know, there were there, there was a few like Crystalis. You know, where mm-hmm. you know you you, I mean, even Zelda could sort of be RPG esque. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. But Zelda is more about the gadgets. <laughs> it's like James Bond, you know. <laughs> but yeah. But with but an it, annoying it fairy all... following him around the later games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it did have RPG elements in the sense that it was a big open world to explore. There, mm-hmm. You upgraded your health over time or your mana over time, depending on which Zelda game you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, there was a lot of RPG there, especially like in Zelda 2, Link's Awakening. Yeah. Uh, where where you started one... actually traveling into towns, speaking with villagers, collecting spells. Yeah, and you had a choice on how you wanted to actually you know, upgrade your character. Yeah. That was the one really just like, I loved that game just because it was so radically different, but I definitely appreciate the way they sort of went back to it, you know, on the uh, Super Nintendo version, <laughs> you know? Where, yeah. Yeah. You know, they started going back more to the top down stuff. I, I, I almost want a sequel to Zelda too. Does that make sense? <laughs> I no, think totally. the, the closest they came was, um, the battle of Olympus or whatever. Um, it, you know, it's not a spiritual sequel, obviously, but of it, th- that was probably the closest I could come to saying, okay, this is almost exactly like Zelda 2. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that game, but uh, yeah, I, now that you mention it, I might have to check it out. Side-scrolling, almost the same exact jump mechanics, very similar, you know. Um, it, <laughs> it's like looking at like a, a Mario game and a Mario knockoff game. You could just you could see that you could see how they wanted it, but then they just sort of it's just not polished that great. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, ah, uh, good times. <laughs> I was looking on this website here while we we're talking of uh, RPGclassics.com, and they were like, "Don't make shrines about these games because they already have shrines built." There's a shrine for Hydlide. That was the horriblest game I've ever played on the Nintendo. Somebody made a shrine. I don't remember that one. (laughs) Don't look it up. It's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fun fact. That was my... That was like that... It was like the snuggle truck rule, but in the early 90s. Like, I got that at a birthday... As a birthday gift from a friend... And mm-hmm. we put it in, and I'm like, this is awesome. And then, like, I didn't want to tell him how bad the game actually sucked. 
<laughs> you know yeah, and so you. i defended it i was like this is the best game ever i love it and every time we'd meet in school he'd be like hey man how far did you get in Hydlide?" i'd be like oh it's just just there man i i can't you know i can't describe it i kept that game out of guilt <laughs> you know uh, hey Rannick in chat asks if you ever played virtual Hydlide <laughs> on saturn i have not <laughs> i i'm scared at the the, the very just the name of it <laughs> That they made it on the Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> he says it also sucked, but it's kind of cool to mess with. <laughs> <laughs> Same game, but in 3D. Oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Brannick, uh, we're, we're kind of an uh, open topic here tonight. If you want to jump in the, the chat, let me know. I'll send you an invite. <laughs> <laughs> just bring all the listeners in. Yeah, just bring everybody in. We're just talking about, <laughs> we're talking about RPGs. <laughs> so... Well, uh, I, we we talked a little bit about this on uh, on the pre-show about RPGs. As far as if we're still in the eight-bit topic, um, Ultima, which was a very popularized RPG series for PC by the uh, good folks at Lord British, um, they also ported their games over to the NES uh, up to I think uh, Ultima Four, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, and Ultima was always a, a fantastic series because most of them were also open world. Uh, and they did kind of punish you for not going on a linear type path. But for the most part, like if you wanted to run into a goblin camp and see how you fared, you, know, you can try and rather you succeed or not is you know, questionable, but, <laughs> but Ultima was always fun games. I just never liked the console ports of those because, you know, they, they really did kind of cut a lot of the freedom out since you didn't have a keyboard and you couldn't actually have full fledged conversations with characters. Gotcha. So that that changed things a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, I think in, in, even in the NES area, I sort of there there was like the thing that I and maybe it was just my mind back then because you know I I uh, uh, being like a Dragon Quest fan, I I love polished RPGs more than the dirty gritty RPGs. You know, back in the day, I understand. And I think that's like when we did we did the Ultima show, right? Um, I was uh, I I did I completely forgot that Ultima was actually on a was on uh, in Nintendo, right? And yeah. I think it was because I like I got turned off because it was just such a you know it wasn't as polished as some of the other ones, you know. And uh, I God, you know, how it, it was is. definitely a different experience if you were used to something like a Dragon Warrior or or even Final Fantasy. I mean, that it, it was loose in the sense that like if your character died, he fucking died. <laughs> exactly. That's it. You know, there there's no like, hey, use a phoenix down and he's back to life. No, he's dead. You loot that body and you keep going. <laughs> One second, I'm typing an email address. That is the best email address <laughs> ever. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, that's sent off. May we'll be joined by Brannick here in a bit. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Let me minimize this. Okay, for reasons. Wins. For reasons. For reasons. <laughs> oh, God. He sent us a link to Virtual Highlight. <laughs> I have to watch this later. Oh, no. Yeah, I was about to say, not mid show. I don't want to torture myself just yet. <laughs> Uh, uh, Might and Magic is another popular uh, NES title 
especially uh, for RPGs. It's probably not as popular, of course, as like Final Fantasy as such, but it was one of the first real dungeon crawlers that I remember personally on NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, NES RPGs. Let's pull up the list. Hello. Ten How best. You doing? Hey, Brannick, say hi to the world. I am just fine. Hello, world. I now <laughs> feel like a real programmer. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious why I needed to give you my email address when you could have just messaged me on Steam. Oh, well, I, I forgot that we were in Steam together. <laughs> well, you would, you would need the, uh, well, well, I guess you could technically share the document just by giving the link. I need like a hundred oh. window. Uh, there's like a hundred ways to contact people. And I was trying to look for the best way. So <laughs> just, just, right. give, just give me your email address. <laughs> So yeah, I, mean, I, I see you on Steam, like whenever you're on, and I'm always seeing like you're playing, uh, I don't know, farming simulator or yep. whatever it is see? you're playing at the time. Uh, that confirms he knows me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's it. That's the money maker right there. Hey, I've got farming simulator, uh, like twelve and thirteen and fifteen and and farm expert twenty sixteen, and uh, I've got some of those too. <laughs> Okay, so I I found this uh, arcade sushi com arcade sushi dot com best NES RPGs list, and I'm sort of laughing at it already because right off the bat they named Crystalis, and then they went right into Willow, and I'm like, oh, why that? I one? never played Willow. Oh, that was such a bad game. <laughs> if we're talking about eight bit RPGs, can I mention that my favorite RPG like ever is an eight bit RPG? Go ahead. Final Fantasy One. <laughs> yeah we touched on that a little bit earlier final fantasy one really kind of popularized rpgs in the western uh like i think western final, hemisphere final fantasy one it to me it was sort of a it was really grindy up until you got the airship and that's when it really opened I, up for me you know i really <laughs> like grinding in rpgs in day rpgs anyway like yeah. i i actually enjoy that uh the, the spending time on it and gradually improving not only your stats, not it's not just about watching the numbers go up. It's about getting more efficient with your uh, like your combat strategies mm-hmm. and a lot of good JRPGs like during the grind, you improve at that. And that's what I enjoy. You know what? I Thinking back about it, one of the things that ground on me about Final Fantasy that that maybe it was what I mean. If this the first is, one. If this is yeah, the first one. If this is like a therapy. Well, the magic session, system sucks. This is a therapy session. Yes, I, I would agree. The magic system sucks, but just that the stupid like shutter effect of when you go in and out of towns, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. You're just like, well, oh. at the time it was just kind of cool that they actually did something. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Dragon Warrior would just be like, blue, 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 you know, and it'd be all swirly. And to, to be fair, if I was gonna play an eight bit like the original 8-bit version, I would prefer the original Fantasy Star to the original Final Fantasy. But uh, actually, Final Fantasy 1 Dawn of Souls for the Game Boy Advance is my favorite JRPG period. Dawn of Souls? I don't think I've played that one. <laughs> it's Final Fantasy 1 and 2. 2 oh, is still... Okay, it's, okay. it's still bad just because of the problems with the game mechanics, like it's worth playing. It's very mm-hmm. interesting and worth talking about. Cause you there's a lot of cool things that tried, but I got that game. I actually have that game. Um, yeah. Don, <laughs> Donna souls is great. They, I remember they, like they item hacking too. Like I just kept cheating yeah. my, like <laughs> I kept duplicating <laughs> items. Like that was the only reason I beat that game is because I kept well, duplicating. Is that uh, Donna souls or, or are you talking about like a, a ROM or something? Uh, no, it was on the GBA cart. 
I, okay. I, I, yeah. I do remember because I played it on the on the original my well, DS it, my DS Lite. It's so. got um, it's got Final Fantasy One on it as well, and that version of Final Fantasy One is my favorite because they changed the magic system. They actually give you MP. Okay. And they rewrote all of the dialogue and everything. Um, I kind of wish they would have kept the original graphics just for nostalgia's sake because mm-hmm. I enjoy eight bit pixel art. Uh, but it, I mean, it uses the 16 bit stuff. It still looks good. Yeah. The original and... Final Fantasy magic, it literally reminds me of D and D where you're like, I have to, well, that's what it's I based to, on. Yeah. I have to slot these spells. <laughs> you know? yeah. And you had to buy the spells too. That's right. You had to buy them. And then like, it got to the point where you had, you had choice where you, there was too many spells for sale that and you couldn't get them all. Well, it's actually, it makes it much more challenging like completing the original NES release is way more difficult than any other release because they later re-released it in Final Fantasy Origins for the PlayStation mm-hmm. and they added an easy mode, which basically like multiplied your number of spells by like 50 or something <laughs> so that you didn't have to worry about it. Um, so that made it a whole lot easier. You could use the original um, like rules, but nobody's going to believe that you did. Spam nuke. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, the the problem with that is all the all the like PlayStation One emulated Final Fantasies and Chrono Trigger, all that stuff. They they just didn't run good. The emulation didn't run good. There were long loading times, like playing Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy Anthology, and like waiting forever for your your uh, active time battle system to increase oh, just because God. the load time was was terrible. <laughs> that was one thing I do miss about cartridges was like the instantaneous load times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We we lost out on that, especially when PlayStation started getting popular. Oh, good times! That takes me back. <laughs> yep. So uh, obviously, you, know, you play Final Fantasy. Did you get into any of the Sega games as well, or were you just? Nintendo? Oh yeah, no. I'm I'm way more of a Sega fan. Than, I actually don't like Nintendo as a company. I never have. Um, I'm I'm a much bigger Sega fan. Um, but also, like my favorite JRPG series as a whole. Is Shin Megami Tensei? I'm so lost. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> there was that awkward silence. Like, yeah. um, have you Not ever heard of? Too. Have you ever heard of or played the Persona games? I have heard. Yes. Yeah, that's the one where there's like ninety something characters. That and- is one of a series. <laughs> like, it's it's hard to describe. You've got Shin Megami Tensei, which is a series. There's a core series, and there's a bunch of other series that are all Shin Megami Tensei, which gives you some crazy titles. Like the Devil Summoner is another series, like Persona is, um, and it gives you some like really super crazy long titles, like Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner Raidou Kuzunoha versus the Soulless Army. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and I, I think how, how, do, how do you put that on your Christmas list when you're you know a little kid? I've I've got the game. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a really good game. Mom, give me um, this. <laughs> you just say Devil Summoner or Devil. Your Summoner dad's like, 2. didn't we beat them in WW two? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to say it quickly, you just say Devil Summoner. <laughs> Go get my son one of them Toyotas. <laughs> but I mean, there's also the Digital Devil Saga series which is also Shin Megami Tensei. And I mean, there's, there's just a bunch of them. It's a long running <laughs> series of JRPGs with really good mechanics. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, to me, I don't think Nintendo seriously tried to get into 
RPG. I mean, was their first like Nintendo actual RPG? Was that actually like Super Mario RPG? Was that it? Squaresoft made Super Mario RPG. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Because they. So I think Nintendo's think first through here may have been Paper Mario. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. They just sort of let Squaresoft license, I guess, the, the characters through it. Well, they were like, because they had a really good relationship with Squaresoft at the time. Um, did, I, did Nintendo but, sort of try to rebrand like they did Final Fantasy, like when it first came out or something? I, kn- I know they really pushed it heavily back in the day. Well, I mean, they had, you know, they had the rights to dis- distribute it or whatever. And that mm-hmm. that's why it was such a big deal when Final Fantasy VII came out on the PlayStation. It was like, oh, wow, <laughs> Nintendo dropped the ball here. What is going yeah. on? Um, I do remember those days. <laughs> and then when we did get another Nintendo Final Fantasy, it was Crystal Chronicles, otherwise known as, you know, Carry the Bucket, the game. <laughs> yeah. The bucket. That was on GameCube, if I remember correctly. Yes. Although that was much better than the uh, sequel to Final Fantasy X, which I call by its real name, Super Barbie Dress-Up RPG. <laughs> Super Barbie Dress-Up RPG. Now, See, uh, I- growing up, I remember uh, the, my, my first real disappointment in the Final Fantasy series was playing Final Fantasy II on the NES, or the SNES, then playing Final Fantasy III, and then, yeah, that was four, and then six. Yeah, yeah, and then getting Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. And I'm oh, like, Mystic Quest was bad. Yeah, I'm like, what? It's like a, it's Did like after playing, what after it was, playing, though? yeah, but after playing three, you're just like, this is like it's made for preschool kids you're just like it's horrible right well i mean did you understand when you bought it did you know what it was that you were buying because it was not intended for anyone who'd played a previous final fantasy i I think i was like clouded at the time man i just listened like back then and see this is why i probably didn't get into sega i i literally back then i only knew what nintendo power told me you know oh well that explains (laughs) it because they're not going to be talking about fantasy stuff exactly (laughs) they're not going to be talking about sword of vermilion <laughs> and then, yeah, my my cool edgy friend who actually had a, a Genesis was uh, back in the like EGM or whatever it was back in the day. And I'm, I remember looking through his his magazines, and I'm just like, EGM was great, especially are, back then when they had that big arcade section and everything. There's a huge difference between Nintendo Power and EGM, <laughs> like huge oh, yeah. difference. <laughs> You got caught in that Nintendo bubble, dude. I did, man. I drank. <laughs> I drank the Kool Aid till the '64 came out. I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> See, I, I grew up with uh, the Amiga. I didn't have a PC until like 2000, 2001, something like that. Damn, dude. But I've, I've had computers my whole life. Like I, I, since I was, I don't know, like four years old. Was as long as I can remember. I've, I've been using computers. It was just for the early part of my life. It was the Amiga, and we didn't have consoles. So I would play Nintendo or Sega or whatever at friends' houses, but I got into games like the Fairy Tale Adventure and Shadowgate, Shadow of the Beast. Shadowgate, you, know. <laughs> you just maybe. Uh, Shadowgate's great. <laughs> Uninvited is actually my favorite of, you know, of that series. But Shadowgate's one of those games where you don't realize you could beat the game in like seven minutes if you know exactly what to do, right? <laughs> um, it's well, it's a little longer than that, but yeah, it's a game about figuring out what to do i actually like uninvited better because it takes longer to figure out um uninvited actually has a whole bunch of things that you can pick up in your inventory that 
you have no reason to ever pick up (laughs) because you might need to and you have a limited inventory so you need to sort of really figure it out and like leave things there and go pick them up when you need them or like remember what containers you put them in and stuff why am i I carrying this mason jar of ball bearings (laughs) i definitely don't recommend anyone ever play the nintendo version of shadowgate yeah Um, that's pretty bad i I do actually have the game boy version just because i found out it existed and it was like a dollar so i got it (laughs) but um (laughs) like if if i play it i'm gonna play you know either the the pc version or the amiga version the I prefer the Amiga version, but um, I don't actually have my Amiga currently hooked up, and I do have the PC version on Steam, so I'll I'll play that one. So uh, off of the Nintendo and Genesis, like, and this is topical because you're you're on the show, Scott. Was was there anything that even remotely came close to an RPG on the Virtual Boy? Uh, God, not that I can think of. Um, well, there was that Mario game, and Mario was a character in an RPG. <laughs> yeah. So that's sort of related. <laughs> on a Virtual Boy? <laughs> Could you imagine trying to no. grind on the Virtual Boy? <laughs> no, oh, especially because it was unsafe to play it for 30 minutes, lo- or longer than 30 minutes at a time. So, no, I... I don't, I don't think know. that would have been an appropriate platform. I think I played it for like a two-hour session. The only time I played it, which was in a Toys R Us at the display. Oh God! <laughs> I I actually owned one and was collecting the games for a while. So and, the uh, uh, stand wasn't broken in Toys R Us. What you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone had used it before I did. I don't think people knew what it was. <laughs> Just like what kind of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't think there was any uh, notable RPGs on the Virtual Boy. Because I have fond memories of playing retarded amounts of RPGs on the original Game Boy. Like Actually, the Final Fantasy Legends. Oh my god, I played mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Legend. Those are really good games. From one coast to the other on a vacation once. Like we went to the West Coast. I destroyed so many AA batteries in that car. It's actually not even really the Final Fantasy series. It's the same as Secret of Mana. It's that series, which yeah. I can never remember how to pronounce. Or, or, am but I thinking am they're, I, they're am, really good games? Well, there, there there was Final Fantasy Legends and Final Fantasy Adventures. I, I one of them was like you know menu. If there were three menu games. Driven. Yeah, that that was. Final I Fantasy played the menu driven one. Were, yeah, yeah, that was Legends. It was, there were three games, and um they were basically part of the secret of mana series, uh, which is not called secret of mana. It's like, so Densetsu or whatever. I don't know. Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> I, I can't remember <laughs> the name of that series. Um, even though I should, because the only way to play some of them are to play it by that name. Uh, Cause they were not released here. But um, So did any, yeah. either you guys import any games? Like were you that diehard? I have some imported Saturn games. Yeah, I mean, as far as 8-bit or 16-bit, no. At the time, I was a bit too young to even know that there was another world called Japan. <laughs> exactly. Outside Although, of my, you know. One of them was an RPG. It would have been a 32-bit RPG, though, so I'm not sure if it counts. Although it is part of a series that was also 16-bit on the Genesis. The Shining series? I, I oh, imp- the, the Shining Star, I think, whatever? Some well, of that part? Yeah, like Shining the Holy Ark. Mm. Um, and there's a bunch of shiny games. Shining the Holy Ark, I imported the Japanese version of that for the Saturn. Gotcha. 
Yeah, and if you thought like U.S. eBay prices for these classic games are crazy, I, I've looked just a little bit at some of the like really good RPGs, and like when you convert the yen, you're just like, oh my I, god! <laughs> like I would people love give to their get a testicles <laughs> for these games. <laughs> I would love to get a copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga, but <laughs> I cannot afford that. Um, last I looked, it was going at about two fifty. I've seen it as low as two hundred. I can't afford that for a Saturn game, but I really want to play it because um, it came out in 98 <laughs> and most gaming mags um, like the Saturn for all intents and purposes was dead in the US. So it, that's why it's so hard, like so expensive to get a copy. If you want a Japanese copy, they're pretty cheap. But if <laughs> you want an English copy, there were so few of them made um, that they're expensive. But uh, most of the most of the gaming magazines, um, at least English language ones, you know, here in here in the U.S., would give like RPG of the year to Xenogears in '98. Mm-hmm. Um, but EGM, which at the time was my favorite gaming mag- magazine, um, actually gave it to Panzer Dragoon Saga, and I've always kind of respected that because they did that even after the Saturn was dead and and nobody cared like they still kept a Saturn section in their magazine longer than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. For like here, the last two games that came out or whatever. And here I am stuck with Hydlide. So <laughs> you can see where hey, this went. I, I own virtual Hydlide. <laughs> virtual Hydlide. I'm going to go I've look probably, this up. I've probably put 30 hours into that game. <laughs> I, I couldn't put more than 15 minutes into the original game, but... <laughs> It's just so weird and interesting to see it in 3D because it's all like real actors. It's like FMV sprites, and <laughs> it's so weird. Okay, so Scott uh, in Hydlide, you you walk around with the D-pad, and there was a button for attack. But basically, your guy is always in defense mode, and if you hold the button down, then you go into attack mode. And you literally the controls you, are better. In, you in walk, you walk right into character. Like it, you you walk around and you see an enemy, and you literally just run into him. And if you're holding the attack button, then you actually attack him. Otherwise, right. you, you like you parry him. The, that's why horrible. I couldn't play the original. The controls were were just terrible. And like new game, if you walk within, if you walk two or three boards away, within minutes you're dead. I mean. It, it had like Donkey Kong like well actually game that's times. not <laughs> that's not necessarily true because one of the actual cool things about Hydlide, which is the reason I enjoy virtual Hydlide sometimes when I'm in the mood, is that the world is completely randomly generated, um, and you can enter a seed hmm. to always go back to the same world and have the same new game, um, but like there are some drastic differences in the locations and uh, of things um, which can make the game easier or harder, depending mm-hmm. um, like the actual story that you play through is always the same, but everything else is, is completely random. Mm-hmm. Like as far as the lo- locations of all the dungeons, dungeon layouts, even down to like the equipment you'll find, you know, and, and items that you'll find in the I dungeons. Me, I, I don't even remember playing the original. If it was, I'm trying to repress those memories. <laughs> like, <laughs> the original, same way. Virtual Highlight is literally like the original game, 
but with better controls and applied to a 3D engine. <laughs> the mechanic underneath, like, because it was all about the random world generation. That was like the selling point of that game. <laughs> Jesus. So if I'm looking through this list of uh, original NES uh, RPGs, and it really stands out that there was a ton of ports, like like we said, the Might and Magics, the, there was the D&D ports, the Wizardries, Ultimas. Yeah. It seemed like Nintendo was like the port craze. Well, <laughs> and then you had standouts like Hyde Lied, Final Fantasy, Faxanadu. Wizardry is the reason we have JRPGs to begin with. Really? I mean, Wizardry was so popular in Japan that Japanese companies started making RPGs. That's why Final Fantasy One has the D and D magic system. You know, it, it's why the turn based uh, like attack menu system mm-hmm. in you know that is pretty much standard in JRPGs is the same as the one in Wizardry. Huh. You know, is it all like Dragon Quest is a direct descendant of Wizardry? <laughs> See, I always I always thought Wizardry was more like based off the Might and Magic stuff. Wasn't that well, about the same time that those came out? Yeah, but I mean, that's where we get a fission between, you know, like the Western RPGs and, and JRPGs. Yeah, because like you're one they, through a maze. They sort of came from the same place because it all goes back to old school PC RPGs, which were all trying to be D&D, but on a computer. Yeah, they all go back to that same route. But then basically starting with Dragon Quest, you get this direct spinoff of Japanese companies and game studios focusing on different elements of making these games and ending up following just this completely separate evolutionary path of the genre true yeah yeah i think after we 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 did our ultima show a little bit back and I, i i saw the actual that's the first time i ever really looked at the 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 nes port of the ultima uh, Ultima 3, I think, is the one we were reviewing at the yeah, time. And I've, I was just like, oh my god, it looks exactly like Dragon Quest. <laughs> the sprites were. Like, yeah. underneath, underneath it, it, like, it's still Ultima. Yeah. But they they made a control scheme that worked with what, you know, their players were familiar with and what the <laughs> Nintendo could do well at. You know, just hardware-wise. Oh, yeah. So, I, I've been gushing about Nintendo. Is Scott, here, here's your floor. Go crazy with Sega. <laughs> Please do. He's probably eating dinner. <laughs> Can we talk about the Dreamcast? Go for it, man. <laughs> well, uh, two of my favorite JRPGs are both Dreamcast games. <laughs> um, you've got Skies of Arcadia, which I, I still prefer the original uh, title of Eternal Arcadia, but it's an awesome, you know, air pirate game. Huh. Fantastic JRPG. Uh, and then Grandia 2, which is later ported to everything else. But the, the original Dreamcast version of Grandia 2 has, has, I don't know, it looks way better than the PS2 version. There is, like, it just <laughs> came out on Steam last year. But, um, I mean, obviously, that's like a HD version up resin and whatnot. So it's going to look better. But of all the versions, like, that came out, originally because originally it was just the dreamcast but after the dreamcast died they started porting it to other things same with uh, skies of arcadia they made the um <laughs> gamecube version i just clicked right. on a link for grandia 2 and it <laughs> went right to non-playable characters and it's 
Melfice, or the cute bad guy is what they list him as. <laughs> Famous quote. Yeah. <laughs> 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 is such a good game. Um, I mean, spoiler, but you fight the Pope. How cool is that? <laughs> okay, you got me sold. <laughs> uh, it, it, it pains me knowing that like most of these things, you're like you have to go out of your way to really try to find these like on even on emulation and do either you guys do either you guys still emulate because i like i i've stopped purchasing old hardware right (laughs) like i i know that like you can Um, emulate at least up through 64 bit decently the only time i do any emulation really is if i want to play an nes game um, I no longer have an NES, so I have an emulator on my Dreamcast, and I have all the ROMs, so I okay. will play NES games with the Dreamcast controller. Uh, that's really about it. Um, like, if I'm on my PC, I'll probably play a PC game. Yeah. You know? um, I don't know. I mean... I, I did... I, um, I, I went out and bought a retro... I, I bought a USB to NES adapter so I could play with an actual NES gamepad mm-hmm. on PC with, like, Joy to Key. Oh, my God. It was, like, the best $19 I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> <laughs> because nice. I could even plug the power pad into my PC. See, what I want to get is... <laughs> I want to get one of those USB Sega Saturn controllers because then I would get into some emulation. Then I would finally get to play Panzer Dragoon Saga. (laughs) But I, because Saturn has a, you know, the six button layout plus the shoulder buttons. And it's tough playing a lot of games that are designed for that with like the, the cross pad style controller that everything else uses today. Um, especially like a fighting game, man, mm. if you want to play a fighting game from that era, Saturn was, was the place to go. Like <laughs> PlayStation was where you went for your 3d games. Cause 3d was, you know, the world at that time. Yeah. You wanted good 2d games. Like the Saturn was the ultimate 2d games machine in its day. Nice. Okay. Yeah, going back to the, uh, the emulation topic. Uh, I actually had, uh, when my company closed down, I snagged one of their little uh, slim tower computers. And what I did with it is I actually wiped it clean and installed a custom operating system that essentially has the interface where it can load up Game Boy, NES, Super Nintendo, nice. Sega Master System. Boot Sega right Genesis. into the emulator. <laughs> Boot right into the emulator, which is basically just kind of based off of the RetroArch system. And that allows me to play everything up to PlayStation 2 on that system. Uh, and it works well with any USB controllers that you throw at it. it you can even, if, if the PC itself has Bluetooth connections, you can even use a PlayStation 4 controller on this thing. Nice. And it works out perfectly fine. Um, and I primarily only whip that thing out for parties. And I, I have original NES, Super Nintendo, all that fun stuff. If I want to play myself, I pretty much play the original cartridges. But for parties, it's kind of fun when I load up a system that's got like 900 plus games on. I'm like, all right, what part of your childhood do you want to revisit? Right. Well, that's that's what's cool about the Dreamcast emulator as well. Um, and also to play like the Japanese ROMs of like the original Fire Emblem, not the remake for DS, but like the original ass Fire Emblem, which is so weird to look at these days. Like it, <laughs> um, 
but like if you want to play that stuff emulation is the only way that you can really and <laughs> yeah but, but why emulate on the dreamcast when you can emulate the dreamcast because <laughs> i have my dreamcast hooked up <laughs> to my tv like or no, I, I got you well right now it's hooked up to my tv but um when i have some more room i actually usually i have a vga adapter for it so i'll connect it to a monitor and get slightly higher resolution 640 by 480 <laughs> Woohoo! wow yeah hey it actually nah, makes bruh. a big difference HDMI does not my cable <laughs> does not it, cause blindness uh, on my widescreen <laughs> when when you go from a dreamcast game on a tv to the vga adapter and suddenly you can see like pupils and characters eyes that you couldn't tell were even there before <laughs> oh yeah like well, it makes I mean, a big difference well here i mean if we're gonna go so far off topic as we already have then yeah i mean we'll talk about the dreamcast i mean i used to play fantasy star online like like a mofo really bad boy do you oh, remember yeah. do you remember a website called the hunter's guild it was at psoguild.cjb.net yeah yeah i do because I'm Thanatos, the guy who made that website and ran it no. all those years. <laughs> okay, well, I there spent, you go. I, I remember 18, your site. I spent 18 hours a day uh, building that site using my Dreamcast with the uh, Dreamcast browser and the <laughs> and no ability to copy and paste. Because like I said, I didn't have a PC until years after that. Gotcha. Well, I mean, there there was the, the keyboard peripheral for Dreamcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I, was I had pretty neat. Oh, there you I, go. I think, I think everybody had the keyboard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially uh, if you're playing an online MMO like that. Yeah, if you're playing PSO and you don't have a keyboard, something's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, if you talk about PSO, I have to bring up one of my coolest gaming memories of all time. Oh, boy. I actually met, because if you, if you remember my site at the time, then you remember it was one of the most popular PSO sites of its of its day back in dreamcast era pso sure and i guess someone at sonic team was aware of my site and some of the other community people as well and they called three of us i, I was one of you know three people that they called into a private match in the game because there's four people one of them was a sonic team representative <laughs> and they told nice. me Gauntlet about throne they told me about Fantasy Star Online version two, like six months before it was announced. Nice. <laughs> and the reason they did that, they didn't say what it was called, but they said, we're talking about releasing a new version with some changes. And, you know, like they basically described Fantasy Star Online version two. And they were basically soliciting feedback from us on what we would do to make the game better. And my suggestion made it into version two. Nice. The, the nice. ability to switch weapons by holding the right trigger and the uh, the Y button to switch weapons mid-battle was my idea. And <laughs> the crazy thing is, is when version two came out, um, they added this subscription model and I couldn't afford it. So I didn't play version two oh, until no. years <laughs> later when I finally played it and realized, holy crap, they used my idea. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I was long into the, the life cycle of that game because really that was the only way that you could play some of the expansions was through the Dreamcast <laughs> version. They didn't release those expansions elsewhere. So, I, I mean, I, I just remember spending hours doing endless nightmare runs online, um, oh, yeah. just, just grinding. And it was so much fun back then. <laughs> it, to this day, PSO, the original Dreamcast PSO is my favorite Diablo clone. 
Yeah, that's another one. Like I've heard just epic stories about, and I've completely missed. Like I just, just didn't have it. I, didn't at one point they had like uh, a a Sega TV cable subscription thing where you could play that? Yes, the Sega Channel. Yeah. Sega yeah. Channel. I, I had that for like the last three months that existed. <laughs> I I did not I did not get on board with the Sega Channel. I wanted to, but my parents were like, "No." Oh, it was so cool. It was the only way you could play Gold Max Three. It was the only way it was released in the U.S. <laughs> Only Sega would come up with something as crazy as, hey, let's get our own cable channel. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Wayne's World. <laughs> Party on. <laughs> so I, I've been looking through some lists. I've been trying to figure out some stuff that sort of fell outside of the norm. And I saw one that stuck out. Star Tropics. God, do you remember that horrible? I do remember Star Tropics. Like, was, I, I loved Tropics it and I hated horrible. it. It was fantastic. I loved it and I hated it, you know, because it was, it was well, so, it was, it was, was so different. It was American audience. Um, yeah. Which is why the main character is Mike instead if, of Ryu. And if you bought the game <laughs> you used know? without the manual, like, you were stuck. Uh, <laughs> I, I bought it brand new at Toys R Us in the box. <laughs> um, and this was years later. This isn't like, I want to say 1999. I bought a new copy in Toys R Us. I oh, still Jesus. had them for uh, both Star Tropics 1 and 2. They were the only NES games they still had in the store, but I bought them both. And nice. then the, the only other thing that stood out was on the, you know, obviously the Game Boy track uh, is where we saw Pokemon come to life. And you're just like, we, we yeah. all know where that, we all know where that went. <laughs> still going, you should say. <laughs> Oh, good times. Shin Megami Tensei did it first with the Persona series. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't care. Yeah, po- Pokemon is good, but the problem with it... Have you ever played Demi Kids? No. In the Game Boy Advance? Because that's another Shin Megami Tensei game. And it's a Pokemon game done right. Like, when Pokemon went from original Game Boy slash Game Boy Color slash Game Boy Pocket, whatever, you know, original platform to the GBA when it made that transition I was expecting so much more and what I was expecting was something like Demi Kids <laughs> Demi Kids is great it, it, there's two versions just like there are with Pokemon there's a light version and a dark version they have different main characters playing through different parts of the same overall story so there's a reason to play both of them they have different mechanics as far as fusing your demons together um, which is you're you're you have demons instead of Pokemon. It's a Shin Megami Tensei. It's a fused demons. You got yes. me sold. <laughs> but well, that's what Shin Megami Tensei. That whole series I was talking about. That's what it's all about. Is fusing demons <laughs> together. Um, so, um, but yeah, Demi Kids is very much a, a Pokemon style game um, with a lot of mechanics from the Persona series. But each game is so radically different that there's really a reason to play both of them. And Pokemon has just maintained this philosophy of the only difference is different Pokemon. You have some that are exclusive to one version or the other, so trading is the only reason to get both versions. Yeah, but in a lot of ways, that's better, primarily because of the fact that economically if you're forcing somebody to buy two separate versions of ultimately the same but game pokemon fans buy both versions anyway that's their prerogative but i'm a right. pokemon fan and i don't buy both versions well most of them do <laughs> no that's incorrect good sir i, I i'm sorry 
Well, then you're not a Pokemon most, fan. Most of the ones that I have met do. All right, um, so fair I, enough. But I, I will leave it. I at live that. in Chicago. I with the Pokemon Go, I unfortunately have met more Pokemon fans than I care to. <laughs> but you know, in a lot of conversations, they'll either have a friend who picks up one version and they'll pick up the other, and then trade the different Pokemon right. that they don't need. And that was really the whole basis of it. Anyone who buys both versions, they're essentially doing it because they're antisocial and they don't want to trade in the first place. Yeah, I got that Zelda Four Swords. I never ran into anybody else that had that. <laughs> I Zelda Four Swords. I did not like Zelda Four Swords Adventures. Um, it could have been better. the only fun I had. The only fun I had in that entire game was picking up the people I was supposed to be playing with and throwing them across the room. Um, but to to finish what I was saying about Demi Kids real quick, mm-hmm. each game is a satisfying game to play on its own, and it works as a standalone game. You don't need both of them to enjoy either of them, but if you get both of them, you, you're seeing two characters on two separate stories that are happening simultaneously that both of them together save the world in your typical JRPG way. What was the, the Zelda had something where it was just like, there was like yeah, Oracle they, of they Ages, own, Oracle yeah. something. Seasons. Oracle Seasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I remember, like, I that was very confusing. Uh, yeah, uh, it, Mega Man the, mar- the marketing flopped on that when it came out. So there were a lot of games that started trying to do, like, you know, the multiple versions thing. Yeah, and, and the worst were the Mega Man Battle Network games. Those the, yeah, the Battle the Network games were terrible. Yeah. Clearly, great uh, on that one, Brannick. You seem to heavily favor you know jrpgs at what point actually th- actually no well, i was gonna say um, at, w- at what point do you think the western rpg started taking over like what what are some of the I early don't, examples i don't think it has I, I don't think it has taken over i don't think I, like i think both are equally well mm-hmm. um for for a while there i would say there weren't very many good jrpgs continuing to come out but mm-hmm. i don't think that's a problem anymore i think the that genre has recovered i mean i can't and, even think and, of a of a western what, rpg on the NES. Baldur's gate icewind dale you know well, like i mean yeah but, I, mean, I mean i'm talking like nes though you know well the nes is a japanese platform so of course it's gonna you know feature the japanese games yeah you know the, the western computer rpg development was a completely different evolutionary path that focused on the computer games. Um, and like the Elder Scrolls series, the Infinity Engine games, Neverwinter Nights, which basically gave you a DM client and the ability to play as close to real DMV <laughs> online as possible. Where oh, yeah. You, you know, oh, I your swear own to God, we're going to have a Neverwinter Nights. And, we're going to have a Neverwinter Nights episode. <laughs> I, I, I would like, I would like bring to you be back. On it. I put I, some I was, hours in that game. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I used the first podcast I was on was the Neverwinter Nights podcast, uh, and from there I went on to found the Dragon Age podcast to co-found <laughs> it. But yeah, that's how I got my start podcasting. Like what seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, maybe even longer than than that. Now that I think about it, I don't <laughs> remember. But uh, yeah, I, I've got a lot a lot of love for Neverwinter Nights, <laughs> especially Neverwinter Nights one. Uh, but Neverwinter Nights 2 is also a fantastic game. <sighs> yeah, see, I I think it wasn't until uh, I think Diablo came out. That was one of the first. That was when I started getting back back into PC gaming. And I started like getting rid of the, the consoles. Well, you know, it was available on the PlayStation. Yeah, it was. Yep. <laughs> That's actually primarily where I played Diablo on was the PlayStation because I hated the whole click to move system. 
that's actually where I first played Warcraft 2. <laughs> and how <laughs> introduced to the concept of an RTS on the PlayStation. We no, talked no we talked about Warcraft 2 last week. Yeah. No. Also, my introduction to the Civilization series was Civilization 2 on the PlayStation. I don't recommend it. I think the oh, controls... I didn't even realize they put that on there. Once, really? once you get used to the controls, it works well. The problem with that, I don't know if you remember Civ 2 very well these days, but... Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way to skip watching the enemy take their individual unit turns. Uh, And by the end of the game, like you would literally take your turn and then come back in an hour and a half for your next turn. (laughs) That's crazy. That that was the PlayStation version. (laughs) That's like some heroes of might and magic stuff right there. It's like trying to suffer and play SimCity on on SNES. You're just like, ugh. Oh no! You well, no, want better bastardized two thousand on Sega CD, man. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> Loading times on that was horrendous. Oh, God. Right. Why See, would I, you do that? <laughs> yeah, Age I, of I, Empires as well on Sega CD. Another I added on. Uh, I mean, I love the Sega CD, but like I had uh, SimCity two thousand on the Amiga, so there was no reason for me <laughs> yeah, to deal no, with that. You got it on the Amiga, man. It's a... Um. But yeah, Sega CD had a lot of a lot of great games too. I mean, oh, we can't talk about 16-bit RPGs and not talk about Lunar. Lunar, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was an absolute classic. That was the first one to actually have like actual anime for storytelling in there too. It may have been at least in the U.S. There was probably a billion of them in Japan. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking U.S. I mean. I, I mean, it's certainly the first one that I remember. Import fucking Japanese game. Oh, I was poor as hell. I didn't even have a console. All right. All right. <laughs> but, you know what's um, surprising is uh, you know, this part of our channel here, the the Players Alliance. You know, we're, we're obviously huge Lord of the Rings fans. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the the SNES version was terrible. Oh my god, it was horrible. SNES version. I it is. never I never had an interest in it. I I'm and, aware uh, of that game. It didn't I never played it. It never really started coming back until it got back on the PS2 where it went from a JRPG down to like, you know, a hack and slash. And that's where that was like the the PS2 games were like the well, exact they, time they when the when the movies came out. So like all the all of the the advertisements and all of the in-game stuff is based off of people from the movie. You know, you see Aragorn, yeah. you know. Yeah, but they had a JRPG one, too, um, for, like, PS2 and original Xbox and all that. Uh, it was Lord of the Rings to the Third Age, I think it was called. Really? It came out uh, around the same time. I think about the same time as the Two Towers game came out. That I have one to look out. that one up. <laughs> Searching the Third Age. Oh, yeah, there it is. Interesting. Um, I I just remembered. I can't believe it, it kind of looks like Final Fantasy. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> it's like a Final Fantasy um, three kind of a feel to it. You were asking earlier about Western RPGs that were on consoles. Yeah, and that did not happen a lot due to the nature of them being Japanese consoles and the the Western RPG market being primarily centered on the PC, but. Um, I I mentioned earlier that the game that made me a gamer was the fairy tale adventure, um, which came out in 1986 for the Amiga. Hmm. I have later played the DOS version. It is not nowhere near as good. It looks like <laughs> crap. I mean, you're going from like um, 256 colors. You're going from a you know 16 bit game basically down to like eight colors. Ugh. 
I mean, and PC speaker just beeps, you know, like boop, beep, boop, boop. Oh, yeah, yeah, classic PC speaker. When the PC had a speaker, <laughs> you don't you don't want to play that version of the game. Um, but there is another version of the game worth playing. Sort of. It comes with a caveat. It was actually released a few years later on the Sega Genesis, and it looks identical to the Amiga version. They're, I mean, they're both 16-bit hard, hardware, mm-hmm. um, and the music is just as good in both of them. Gameplay-wise, it works just fine on a controller as opposed to a keyboard or mouse or you know joystick or whatever used on the Amiga. There's only one problem with the Genesis version, and this is another reason I actually use emulation. <laughs> um, and there's a very real reason for this. Uh, if you play the actual cartridge, which I unfortunately found out when I got this game. Um, actually, first, let me describe the game a little bit so that this will make more sense why this is such a big deal. Okay? Sure. Um, it's a game that was very much based on the Ultima series, but sort of did its own thing. It was more, um, I don't know, fairy tale inspired as well, thematically, and less sort of gritty fantasy. Um, at the beginning of the game, remember this came out in 86. I think I played it in like 87 or, or 88 whenever we got it. Um, but it's it's an open world game. At the beginning of the game, you're given a quest, rescue the talisman. <laughs> you know, if there's an evil necromancer, you need to get the talisman back or the world's going to end. Be the hero. That's not vague enough. <laughs> yeah, but you're not... You don't have any specific information on where to go. You have an entire world to explore with a day-night system and at least some timed events. Like there's uh, a an important NPC who ha- has already died, um, but you need to interact with him. And the only way that you can do that is to find him in a crypt at midnight. Um, and the game never tells you this. You just have to find all this stuff out in this, this huge fantasy world with all these things going on in it. Um, so... It, it was kind of the game that made me appreciate exploration the same way Ultima did for a lot of other gamers who had played those. Hmm. Um, it, it's got that same sort of uh, mostly like uh, top down, but sort of slightly skewed to the side <laughs> angular look that Ultima has. Slight. It has that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to describe because it's not really like anything else other than Ultima <laughs> did it too, <laughs> you know? Um, but you can see like a, a giant game like that coming out that early, like there were like, aside from Ultima, there were no other real, like open world games at the time that I can think of mm-hmm. maybe some other RPGs, like, um, I don't know, maybe like might and magic or something had something at that scope, but even well, then I mean, the like, original legend of Zelda was open world. A much smaller world. I mean, <laughs> hide lied. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> again, that's a, you're you're dealing with like regional areas at that point, as opposed to a, a huge world with continents Honestly, and oceans. Uh, and... Thinking back, I think hide lied. I think it was actually intended to be an arcade game, right? I think that's why you die. So I, I think that's why I died. So I think fast, it could have because it's literally meant to been. just collect quarters, right? <laughs> The, the problem with the Sega Genesis version or Mega Drive for European listeners, um, the problem with that version of the fairy tale adventure 
there's no save system. <laughs> Instead, there's a password system. But the password is a 10 by 10 grid of random characters. Uh, so that's a 100 character password. You have to write down every time you want to save. <laughs> password systems. Another, that's why another emulation classic, is awesome. You can another, just use your save states. Another classic thing I forgot about, the passwords. God, there was well, uh, the, Faxanadu did that. I've seen a lot of games with password systems. That's the only one I know that has a 10 by 10 grid <laughs> for a 100 character I password. think some of the That's... weirder password systems I remember was like the Mega Man games where you had the little 6 by 6 dots. Do you remember that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember those. But that, I mean, that stuff, if you, if you, if Faxanadu did that, you could could remember it. Faxanadu had passwords. And, and on top of that, if I remember correctly, it was like, it was like a horrible font choice too. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that always makes it worse. (laughs) Cause you're just like, it's bad enough. It's Nintendo text, you know, that you have to read, but then it's just like a terrible font choice. (laughs) If you even want to call it that back then. Oh my God. I mean, it, it would still be a font. I'm st- I mean, what, I'm, else, what else would you call it? I'm still looking through this list of Nintendo RPGs, and I saw Legacy of the Wizard, and I'm just like, okay, that's not that's not an RPG. <laughs> of course, well, they also have River City Ransom on there, which had RPG elements, but yeah, and a lot of people will put Zelda on that list, and I don't yeah, consider Castle- those RPGs. Yeah, Castlevania's on here too. Castlevania Two, Simon's RPG- well, Simon's Quest. That one maybe. Actually, Simon's Quest oh, hell no. is sort of You cannot tell me that Castlevania would fall in Castlevania the line of an RPG two. and not Legend of Zelda. I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's retarded. That I'd is say it's more borderline. Retarded. I'd no, say it's more borderline than Zelda. Legend of Zelda Z- would have far more RPG elements than <laughs> Castlevania. And I love Castlevania, don't get me wrong. But you can't sit there and say Castlevania has more RPG elements than Legend of Zelda. <laughs> that's just retarded. It had vague endings. You had to go to some place and squat down and take <laughs> Actually, a dump. To, yeah. And in well, Castlevania too, yeah, that that was well, very strange. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember the mechanics. I think Castlevania Two was one of the few ones that I could beat because it had RPG elements. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know, well, if, if you grind hard enough, you you can beat the game. You know what I mean? I'll I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll say that one's not really an RPG now that I think about it, <laughs> but. I will argue to the death that Zelda is not an RPG. There is no then Zelda game. Sorry, but die. <laughs> there is no, no Zelda game that is. No, you cannot but tell me that Legend of Zelda is Symphony an RPG. Of the Night. Symphony of the Night is an RPG. I could agree that Symphony of the Night has RPG elements, but it's still very much a platformer. It's an RPG with platformer controls. It's got platformer elements. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but sure. can, we, can we all at least agree that uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was a terrible movie spinoff game on the NES? <laughs> I never, never played, played it, it, but the Don't. movie was all right. <laughs> Don't that play nice it ever. <laughs> the, the movie was pretty good. I mean, yeah, agreed. The movie was awesome, but there yeah, was a rich don't man play the NES. Do not play the <laughs> NES game. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, I think you found something we can mutually agree on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zelda's not an RPG. It, it's an action adventure game. That's you can hurry of... up on that die thing now. I'm, I'm good with. <laughs> good with I'm sorry. That's well. What I mean, what makes it an RPG to you? I mean, it's all semantics anyway. But 
everybody well, I mean, has sort of a different de definition of what an RPG is. I mean, so, well, so, I mean, if I'm, you I'm really want to try and get into semantics, I mean, <laughs> RPG is kind of a loose term in the first place because essentially all that means is role playing game, and theoretically, well, any game that you play, that's what you're, the words you're mean. playing a role. Right, but as far as like, well, we would RPG agree mechanics, that Tomb Raider is not an RPG, despite the fact that you're playing the role of Laura Croft, Tomb oh, Raider. Of course, of course. You know, so it's not just the name; well, it's that, what the genre actually. There's course. a meaning. Well, behind that's why I'm arguing the fact that you can't go by technically what is semantics, right. because if you talk to any RPG fan, depending on their favorite game, they're going to have a different answer on what actually consists of RPG elements. My my favorite game doesn't actually have anything to do with my definition of the genre, and that's a bold faced lie. No, it's not. It is. No. It's All right, not. explain it, that one in, in much better what? detail for me because I, <laughs> because I am my, really my having a hard time fathoming that. <laughs> my definition of the genre is any game which can trace its core mechanics, not just mechanics that it has, but its core gameplay mechanics, back to D and D. That's, uh, that's rough. I could toss it towards Frannick on that one. If that, you can trace the lineage back from the core mechanics. And again, there's semantics involved here because different people are going to think different mechanics are core to a game than, than someone else might. Okay. Well, using that as an but example, then. That's my Zelda, definition. You're looting bosses to get items and you're increasing your health as you level up. Is that not elements that you deal with in D&D? Sure. <laughs> so there you go. There's a, that's just, that's just scratching the surface now. I'm just gonna I mean, stay out of the way of this. I'm just it. gonna stay out of the way. I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of there's plenty of other games that do that too. Of course, but again, that's all semantics. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> we're we're gonna go in a never ending loop here because bottom line is is you don't agree with me, and that's fine. No, that is fine. That is that fine. is absolutely fine. I, Everyone's entitled to. Have I was opinions, not serious about fighting you to the death. Okay. <laughs> I would I'm, hope not. It would be a very long battle. I'm, I'm considering I don't know where you live. But can't we all just to, get along? <laughs> well, especially when it comes to trying to define an RPG. People have been trying to define RPGs since there have been RPGs. Yeah, there is be no a whole official show. standard definition. I have I, my I own, which, which I just you know explained, which yeah. doesn't have to do with my favorite game. It's just can I trace the lineage back, and what do I feel are the core mechanics of the game in question? But even if everyone were to adopt my definition, the actual you know results of that are going to be up to semantics anyway, and and yeah. what you consider yeah. to be the core mechanics of a game. And I think that's where we differ on the Zelda. Is I don't really feel like those are the core mechanics to Zelda for me, but they seem to be much more core to the series for you. Well, see that, that that's where I at, earlier in the show, you know, I, I started to talk about the difference between like a turn-based RPG versus uh versus a, an, action. Uh, an action RPG and, and Zelda sort of falls more into the adventure action <laughs> RPG. <Yeah>. Zelda's <laughs> definitely a tough one to classify. It's, it's not cut and dry anything really because it's got, it's got a lot of RPG elements. It's got a lot of adventure elements mm -hmm. and before it, it, there was nothing else really like it. So I kind of think we should just call it a Zelda-like, like we call roguelikes <laughs> roguelikes, and leave it at that. Like, give it its own genre. Let's yeah. award it. Yeah, I think we well, I, I could get behind you, that idea. <laughs> if you go off the base game, yeah, I could see that. But like Zelda or Link, Zelda 2, Link's Awakening. 
that that's more that's the line of rpg yeah i would say that's more that rpg do, than all of them yeah but it also gets into like platformer mechanics too it does yeah. have its platformer <laughs> mechanics but ultimately there there's still a lot more rpg elements there especially when you start getting into the the magic power the spell casting all right. that fun stuff so you weren't you know? around then did you play battle of olympus because scott and i tried to talk about this earlier i did not i I think oh, yeah, I'm the only one who ever played that. I think I've, I think I've seen videos of it. I'm I'm loosely aware of it. It's like a, a good I attempt, DJ. Good attempt. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's like a spiritual successor to Zelda 2, if you really like Zelda 2. <laughs> and I definitely don't. Um, <laughs> then don't play it. <laughs> to, to, to be completely frank, there's only one Zelda game that I've ever enjoyed my time with. And that was Link to the Past. Yeah. Link to the Past was great. Link the Past was great. We could all agree on that. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to end this discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we had some heated words, you know. We're like an hour and a half into (laughs) some some, some RPG madness here. I just don't understand the topic. Is this supposed to be like, what's better, 8 or 16-bit? We have no idea. To be honest, like it was never supposed to be like an 8-bit versus 16-bit. But goddamn, we didn't even scratch the surface of 16. <laughs> and, and why is 32 not in contention? Because there's so many great 32. No, 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 no. 32 yeah, I mean, straight out. Why don't we just talk about all RPGs that ever existed? We'll be here for freaking 10 hours. I'm going to decide uh, Raytech. He has people wailing on his roof, right? They're putting yeah. roofs on his house, so which is why he couldn't do the show tonight. But... Yeah. I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna pair with him and say PC Master Race for the win. So <laughs> I'll agree with that. So on to XP Quest news. Uh, next week is our one year anniversary. Woohoo! We made it a year somehow, accidentally. More of an accident, really. I'm masturbating, not clapping. Sorry. Um, <laughs> congratulations. Zero, <laughs> zero efforts into the show somehow, and we've stay, we've stuck around for a year, and Andang hasn't kicked us off the channel yet somehow. And yet, somehow we still fucking keep our clean rating on iTunes. I can't figure this out. Well, not with me around anymore. I can, <laughs> um, I, I can, I can tell you why, because you actually designate that yourself. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Like Apple doesn't have any say in whether you decide to put the clean tag on your podcast. No, 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 no. Well, when, they do have moderators. When, the, if yeah, when if you, you submit, tag yourself clean and, and you put in something that's not clean, they can just flat out deny your. No, you could talk podcast. with Andang about this. We when we submitted the first episode to be, you know, you to get on iTunes, you have to submit your first episode, and somebody mm-hmm. has to look at it, right? Look at the feed and all that stuff. For whatever Presumably. reason, we did not tag ourselves as clean the person who moderated our first episode tagged our podcast as clean and that and, and doesn't seem right and yeah you can which, tag yourself as explicit but you can't tag yourself well, as clean and, oh, yeah, you, yes you can and Dang I've, actually I've said that we were the times. only podcast on this entire wow. network that actually has a clean rating and i'm like well that's a mistake <laughs> well, i don't know it's how actually, it's actually episode by episode as well each episode has its own separate tags I should probably be toggling so, that, but that's yeah, too much effort. <laughs> well, what, I, what I've always done is if there are things, uh, well, Lotro Academy is different because I, I bleep things in Lotro Academy. So gotcha. the way I do that is, I mean, if I don't bleep anything, then it's easy. It's either explicit or it's not, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, 
I only use the clean tag specifically if I bleep something out to de- designate that <laughs> this was cleaned. And I did something to Here's make my, this a clean my, version. Uh, I had to go back and edit this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not time. Yeah, there's no way I'm going to write down all this stuff. So <laughs> it's too much effort involved. So um, we determined tonight while we we're uh, arguing back and forth about Western versus Eastern, East side versus West side. Uh, we're definitely going to do our one year anniversary episode, uh, next week. And, uh, the show topic will be never winter nights. We're going to throw, going to throw it down. Brannick, you were definitely invited back for that. Uh, sounds like you are passionate for it. And uh, I, I would love that. Is just hard right now when we talk about (laughs) (laughs) doing, uh, (laughs) never winter nights. Is this going to be just the first game or the second game as just, well? Yeah, just the first one. All right. Is it going to talk about Infinity Engine games that led up to it and that whole process? or You're making this way too like, complicated. In, in isolation. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Night. We're going to talk about the Aurora tool set. We're going to be talking about mods, the full nine awesome. years, the community. Very important. The fact that I, there I still is a community this day. The like, Neverwinter Vault is going to yeah. come up, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, the Neverwinter Vault will be there. <laughs> I participated. I, I I uploaded several scripts to that. I worked on some mods that never came out, never finished them. But <sighs> I, I'm not the only one. A lot of other people did the same thing. Probably, <laughs> it was hard to get a team because everybody had their own projects they were working on because it was so easy to work on things. Yeah, I just found someone that needed scripting, and that's how I got attached to it. So we'll, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. I, uh, I wish I would have met you back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have thrown down some freaking Neverwinter Nights. <laughs> so uh, and, in our Finding Time to Grind section, uh, what is everybody playing this week? We'll, we'll start with you, Brandon. What are you grinding on this week? Um... A JRPG series that yeah. is really freaking weird, and for some reason, I'm just now starting to play it, and it's kind of taking my time right now. And that's the uh, Hyperdimension Neptunia series. My God, that game is nuts! Absolutely nuts. Hyper Neptunia, what? <laughs> it's it's basically a game. It's a JRPG where the characters are the CPUs of different consoles and the consoles are the worlds that they live in. And it's really, really strange, but also almost every character is like an anime girl. And <laughs> it's so strange. It's really good though. That does sound Isn't very strange. Hyper Dimension Neptunia. Yes. There are four games in the core series right now. Um, it's like, it's like RPG smut, man. But all right. Sure. <laughs> no, it's, it's really good though. Uh, from, okay. a, from a from a JRPG mechanics perspective, I'm I've been really surprised with it. What like, do you um, what what, cool. what are you what are you playing them on? PC. Okay. Yeah, they're all on Steam. Okay. They're, they're also plays them if that tells you anything. Uh, they're, they're also on yeah. the Vita. <laughs> um, but like just from a mechanics perspective, they're so <laughs> interesting. Scenario like, plays them. Say no more. Say no yeah. more. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, it's we, okay. we love, it's we love for the best. We love that guy. He's excellent, dude. Speaking uh, of which, it, since the Brexiting, he's he's a he's an English citizen, right? But he's living in France. Is that gonna screw up? Like the fact that he, England scenario? Oh, yeah, dude. He says he's in France one week. He's in Spain another week. I stopped keeping track of where he lives. But he's English, though. Like he's he's English. Yeah. 
And no, they're, I, I they're, don't they're Brexiting, so I don't know. <laughs> I think they've already Brexited. Bre- <laughs> I I can't keep track of this stuff, honestly. Somebody was like, "Can you point out where you know Wales, United Kingdom, England? Like, if you start drawing circles around all these territories and stuff, like here's Ireland, but here's the Republic of Ireland, and you know, <laughs> it's not that difficult to do. It's too much effort. We didn't cover that in my geography class. I'm from the Midwest, so am I. <laughs> I, I honestly, I learned all my geography, like." especially european geography from playing paradox strategy games man. european universalis <laughs> crusader kings come on man <laughs> you'll learn those borders you will hey, i learned DJ. everything dj what are you playing man man i'm uh i'm still playing uh age of empires 2 um that's been my my crack recently hey there's something about just like taking your time and building up a massive army and then just waving across the entire map just be like you know what fuck you <laughs> just full attack send everybody you know uh i'm waiting on uh farming simulator 17 to come out which is on the oh, 29th boy. so we have 23 days until farming sim comes out and uh i played some more Baldur's gate because we talking about doing a Baldur's gate episode which um version? uh the original and i'm playing it on i'm playing the um the gog, gog version version yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, we, we we briefly tried playing the Steam version. I bought that, but I just I had to go with the GOG version. It's more faithful. Yeah. I've I've got. I haven't got. The... I haven't picked up Boo yet. So we're. I'm close. Okay. I'm I'm very close. <laughs> and then uh, all the versions of Baldur's Gate actually. I uh, I'm proud to say I did not play any Minecraft this week. Why are you proud? You know, it's just sometimes you I just mean, gotta I stop. Gotta agree with him on that. You Why gotta you stop. Proud, if if, if <laughs> you, you stop enjoy Minecraft, Minecraft, enjoy Minecraft. Like, I do. But seriously, you know, it's like I'm just trying to like not play it as much. <laughs> There's no reason well, to be proud, man. Me, yeah. yeah <laughs> whatever. What do you play, Viper? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'll probably play a game that I'll, I'll get some groans for. Uh, I've actually been playing a lot of World of Warcraft as of late. Uh, my guild is finally doing mythic dungeon runs, and we're getting ready to start doing uh, Nightmare Emerald raids. So that has taken up a large part, part of my time. I've also gotten back into playing the uh, the newest Doom game because I haven't finished that out yet, and I feel bad because I've had the game since launch, and for whatever reason, I set it aside and wasn't even necessarily that I didn't like it. It's a great game. I just, <laughs> for whatever reason, just didn't prioritize it. And right. now I'm going back into it and I'm having a lot of fun. The snap maps are really cool because there's a lot of like recreations of classic maps on there, which is a blast. And yeah, no, it's a fun game and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Nice. And that's awesome. it. <laughs> so is, um, is uh, World of Warcraft, have they got any major expansions coming up? They just released an expansion uh, last month, and that was Legion. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, and that's obviously, it takes them about a year to go through their expansion cycle. Um, <laughs> and then it takes years, someone like four days to get to the end of that somehow. Yeah. Four well, very concentrated the, days. <laughs> they don't release all the content right at the expansion launch. Like right now, there there's a, a raid that's not even accessible yet. Nice. Uh, so... And that's always what World of Warcraft does. They don't release all the content for the expansion all at once because there are those people that are like, I'm going to do everything in 72 hours. 
Give me all this Mountain Dew and Doritos. And- <laughs> this is yep. why I saved my PTO. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. But no, uh, right, right now there's only a few. Th- most things are actually accessible, but there's a raid that's not even touchable yet. So <laughs> Nice. One of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the 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 free version up to level twenty, just so I can say I played it. So the starter edition. Yeah, <laughs> one of these days, I just just so I can say I played it. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean it's it's not bad to get your feet wet. It with the way that leveling is though, that's gonna be like two hours for you. <laughs> nice. And, and you'll pretty much be like up to snuff, and you're like, oh, okay, well I'm bored, and <laughs> go back to other games that you find far more interesting and that's it's fine it's absolutely fine i mean if you if you enjoy wow like if you haven't played it play it and find out if you enjoy it like that's fine i i personally like i i bought it and played for my 30 days and it just wasn't worth subscribing to it for me because i felt like i was being funneled through smaller areas and i mean that's why i like lotro and eso and dark age of camelot because they're like very expansive areas where I can explore. Um, so, and, and since you as like someone ES- who's played some of those MMOs, I don't necessarily agree with you on that, but I can see why they give that perception off. Um, but especially now, like with Legion, like typically every expansion, and this has always been kind of a complaint that a lot of people had. I, I just with, played with the every expan- Hold on, let me finish, please. Uh, with every ex- expansion that's come out, there's always like one starter zone for that expansion or two starter zones mm-hmm. for that expansion. So there's this huge choke point. Uh, Legion's changed that to where now, uh, a lot like with Elder Scrolls, not online, but the the uh, games like Oblivion and Skyrim, the monsters okay. level up with you. So you actually can go to any zone and start there if you'd like. Huh. Uh, and you're not funneled through a, a specific area. You can explore the entire area of Legion at your leisure. Gotcha. It's a that mechanic. <laughs> yeah. I don't hmm. know. If, if it wasn't a subscription game, I might try it again. I, yeah. I did. I, did, <laughs> I could totally I did, see that. I did really like the look of the world because it looked like they literally took the same world from Warcraft 2 and Warcraft 3 and just like, here it is, bigger, and now you're one of the units walking around on this map, and those, jo- yeah. those doors, they really are that huge, and you can walk through them, and <laughs> that was kind of cool. Zug, zug. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I, I totally understand. Like, World of Warcraft is one of those games where, you know, if you don't enjoy the game, you're not going to want to pay 15 bucks a month to play it. And right. I don't blame anybody for that, especially now. And I think we talked about this last week, DJ. You know, the MMO market has kind of leaned more towards the whole free-to-play aspect. And that's just made a lot more MMOs easier to, you know, be more accessible to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like Lotro, where Lotro, you know, it, it's very easy to get in there and play the game and, and a, a very substantial amount of that content without dropping a dime. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost all of it. Yeah. If, if you really want. I mean, the only thing that you have to pay for is what? Mail anywhere and free free side access to the Moors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like with Elder Scrolls, you just have to buy the game. And then once yeah. you buy the game, you have access to all the content, which is nice. That's my preferred model. Buy the game, own the game, play it whenever you want. Yeah. I mean, this entire podcast spawned from the the destruction of the Guild Wars 2 players podcast and like that that was okay. the game. That was the game it really set me off on that model. I was just like, "Oh my god, yeah. yes." Well, full did you access ever play the original? from Guild Wars. No, I did not. Cuz it had that model as well, but it's not really an MMO. 
but it, it was you know very much see i hate the phrase buy to play because <laughs> there's nothing special about it. you just buy the game you own the game you can play the game whenever you want because you bought the game already like it's just normal <laughs> Yeah. You don't need a separate <laughs> phrase for it. Well, no, it, it is true. necessary in an MMO standpoint because <laughs> there's a lot of games that you don't buy have to the buy game. Play. Yeah. <laughs> right, but see, that's that's what I have a problem with. I've I've never like approved of the subscription model applied to games. Games are are products and not services. Yeah, but you know, it was if a if necessary game, evil I, I when you have many was... servers housing players no. of all sorts. So there's <laughs> There, there's a cost to holding these servers, and that's oh, yeah. ultimately why. So I think, I think, so I think what, we, we all work in no. IT. We all understand the infrastructure cost on the right. back end. <laughs> so yeah. what, you, what you need to do is make more content that I'm willing to buy, and I'll keep giving you money, but I'll keep giving you money to buy the new content that you keep releasing, as opposed to making me su subscribe. Well, that to was a essentially service. what expansions that, is, but that's not a steady source of income, though. That's income. what Guild Wars One did. And yeah, Guild, Guild Wars, Wars 1 Guild sucked, Wars 2, so... Yeah, Guild, Guild Wars, Wars 1 2, was fantastic. It was Guild Wars awful. 2 was totally it was amazing. worth the money. I, I own <laughs> Guild Wars. I, I, have I, I own all of the Guild Wars 1 titles. And all, I'm so all, sorry. All, they're you awesome. Should, they're amazing. <laughs> but they're not MMOs. If you want an if you if you play them expecting oh, them to be an MMO, then... I'm done, dude. I'm done. I'm so done. This is awesome. They're Diablo clones with combat based on... Well, card game. What is this Diablo Pro <laughs> shit you keep saying? Because they are I, literally the ex destruction no, it's of not like literally a Diablo clone. Yes, Diablo it is. Was <laughs> one character in a four or six player campaign. Guild Wars was an MMO. You're in a it massive multiplayer universe. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh my gosh. It's, it's an illusion. I'm, you, I'm done. You, I, I I'm will so explain done. it. If, if you really no, want me to I, explain it, I will. <laughs> You you know what? If you want to take another hour of this podcast to hear your it doesn't take that long. Go ahead, please. But otherwise, I'm done, dude. We're I'm gonna build a, We're gonna build a wall around your pay to play. We're this gonna is, make them pay for it. It's exactly the same as the structure the, of the album. Yes, that you're, you're pulling out right now, man. The only difference is that the lobbies are like towns in a 3d space as opposed to a chat room don't forget to vote Other than everybody that, whatever, dude. everybody whatever. get out there register the to vote that's the only way we're gonna fix this problem <laughs> okay on to donations <clears throat> uh <laughs> the players alliance uh we have a patreon go out there support it uh if you'd like to support shows like xp quest go to our donation page where you can support the players alliance and you will find rewards, including mentions on the podcast of your choice, or even a guest uh, as a, on an episode of XP Quest. But like I said, every single show, we're very flexible. Just say, hey, I want to be a guest. You're on the show. So, <laughs> Or apparently, sometimes you'll even invite people without them having to ask. Exactly. We'll just be yeah, like, you, I got get, on. get on the show. <laughs> There's one time I pulled somebody into a show, and they didn't realize that they were actually on the show. <laughs> like, actually sounds like I was like, hey, do. join this chat channel. And then they joined. I'm like, hey, by the way, you're on the show. And they're like, what? No, like, so <laughs> uh, you can contact us at podcast at xbquest.com, which I think works. Nobody's ever sent anything to it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at players ally at xpquest and at DJ Pimp Daddy. And of course, my co host Ray Tech is at Ray Tech Rages. Go check out his YouTube channel. Just search for Ray Tech Rages. He's raging, but not really. Uh, he's been playing. A, he's been playing a lot of uh, RimWorld recently, so 
He's been rimming it, if you know what I mean. Anything? Nothing? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> follow our what, guest. What was that email address? Uh, which one? The, the podcast the at X- He's, he's going to send you an email. Yeah, pod- I am. Podcast he's- at xpquest.com. So I know that for a fact we, I'm going to test this right now, and we'll find out if it we works. renewed our domain. Unlike uh, you guys, apparently, uh, Gatcast. Mm. No, so. no. <laughs> what happened the there? Is... All right. So what happened? Your domain is just that... disappeared for a day. <laughs> yeah, uh, Walter decided to change where the DNS was pointing without letting me know, and. A- Unfortunately, when Whoops. that happened, all the subdomains got kicked out as well. Ah. So everything's fine now. Uh, just the only difference is, is that the the website www.gatcast.com uh, now actually points to our Patreon, and we're just <laughs> updating our Patreon from there. Uh, a nice. lot of podcasts do this; it's not uncommon. Okay. Um, but that's where we're going to be pushing all of our episodes on, as far as a, a feed from there. And what I'm talking about, since we're actually talking about this, yes. is uh, GAT, uh, which is Games, Anime, and Technology, a podcast weekly now that me and Walter do every Tuesday night from 7.30 to 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. Standard Time. Uh, or not Standard Time, I guess that's kind of a lie, but U.S. Eastern Time uh, for now. <laughs> Lies! Yeah, because Daylight Savings Times throws a monkey wrench in everything. Hurricane Time! <laughs> oh, God. I just sent an email. I hope I got the address right. Okay. I'll, I will be expecting that. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, you can find our show there uh, as well as YouTube at .getcast.com where we push a lot of our episodes at. So. What about you, Brannick? Uh, LotroAcademy.com. I have been hosting and producing the Lotro Academy podcast for a long time. Our primary goal is to get new players up to speed. If you know people who are new to Locho, tell them about the podcast, get them involved in the community. Um, Clandestine-games.com. Also, if you're interested in my game dev stuff, the games I'm making. You just got your email. <laughs> Guild Wars is a Diablo clone. And then the smiley face with the tongue sticking out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> got an email. <laughs> So, oh, so Lotro is uh, probably going to be a Diablo clone too, right? Uh, no, not at let's, all. No, let's no not, not at all. Let's not, at not all. start this fight, not. guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Follow our other no, Players Alliance live shows. Uh, Mondays at 8.30 Eastern, we got DDO Players News. Uh, every other Thursday-ish, uh, 9 p.m., we have XP Quest. <laughs> Diablo clone. Uh, Diablo every, clone. Uh, let's see, last Friday of every month, of course, we have Lotro Academy. And Saturdays at 8.30 Eastern, we have Lotro Players News. So uh, you can join all our live shows at xpquest.com slash live, hashtag uh, Diablo Clone. And it looks like uh, next episode, uh, we're going to be covering that Diablo Clone Neverwinter Nights. That's a great Diablo Clone, too. I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun with that one. Well, that's not an MMO, but it's not a Diablo Clone either. Uh, <laughs> oh, but clearly it's a Diablo Clone. So, uh, and, and it's not Legend of Zelda, so it's not an RPG either. So. <laughs> this has been a great discussion, guys. Man, I, yeah. I really wish you'd let me take the time and explain why Guild Wars is a Diablo because I it doesn't I take don't very have long. time for bullshit. I just don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> just because it, there's mechanics in it that instances people. The entire structure of the game. No, whatever, dude. 
it's a Diablo clone. We'll just throw that out. Because every every MMO to you is a Diablo clone. No. <laughs> no, they're very different things. Sure. Damn sure it. Now are. I want to play Diablo. You guys suck. <laughs> well, Diablo is a Diablo PSO clone. Instead. You know, why did... Okay, here's the thing. Why hasn't Blizzard, like... Bought into freaking GOG, right? Diablo why, clones? I mean, why can't well, they kind of make I, Diablo so they don't have to clone it? Well, why can't I make why can't I purchase Diablo off of uh, GOG? You know what I mean? Because you can get it off of Battle.net, exactly. But that's the thing, I don't want to like that's just another freaking it's the same, thing. It's the same reason, reason the EA wants you to install Origin, yeah. That is well, true. the difference between EA and, and Battle.net though is that. Blizzard only sells their games, whereas Origin right. tries to feed you everyone else's games as well. But there's no such thing as Battle.net anymore. Well, yeah, they're changing the name, but it's essentially the same concept. <laughs> yeah, but it now it doesn't have a name. It's just Blizzard's online service. <laughs> Blizzard it's online. still going to be Battle.net to just about every loyalist of Blizzard anyway. You are right there. Definitely. I mean, I live in Chicago where we... we pronounce willis tower as sears uh <laughs> and of course the the rosemont horizon which is now called the all-state arena we still call it the rosemont horizon <laughs> chicagoans are a very stubborn group of people no I, I get you like i'll, I'll still refer to sandstone amphitheater as opposed to verizon wireless amphitheater exactly I mean, yeah you on. understand totally then you got it yeah we have paul brown stadium <laughs> f that guy so hard <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Everyone, thanks for listening and find time for that grind. Thank you, guys. Take care, everybody.